It's 187 on a Cape Crisis podcast. Hello, everybody. Episode 187 of Cape Crisis, the comic book podcast every week on the Laser Time Podcasting Network, where we talk about the new events in the world of comic books and the movie, TVs, and other things based upon them. I'm your host, Henry Gilbert. That's H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Hi. And we've got a stacked deck of uh, guests today. we got Chris Antista. Biggity bing bong, Chris Antista. <laughs> <laughs> Reading lots of comics this week. We've got Brad Elston. Uh, that's my car. And we've got... Stole my sound. The Walking Dave, yeah. Dave Rudd. Uh, Diamond Snoop Dogg, Dave Rudd. In honor of the episode. And uh, hey, we're well, we're in extra super heroic mood because we just finished playing a full playthrough of Captain America and the Avengers the Arcade Edition. Four player. Wasp. Wasp. You like can't move. Yeah, that's the break thing in the middle of the, the show you used to hear. Yeah, Avengers I love it. God, I it, love it. Says Avengers Assemble in the sound effect and the last screen <laughs> says Avengers Unite! <laughs> uh, it was so we had a good time on that. Even even if the sound was slightly behind what was going on, we had a good time. I think it was all fun. the people did too. And you can see that youtube.com slash laser time network. Bam. Uh, but yeah, we are still in the Gulf, the American Gulf of Captain America Civil War stuff because unlike the rest of the world, we don't have it yet. And we won't till Friday. But we will on Friday be streaming a live show. You need to go to lasertimepodcast.com and figure out what time that is because mm-hmm. we don't know yet. If it's Friday, if you're it, there it, Friday. Probably three but, or four, we should, might as well discuss it now. Yeah, I guess. I mean, well, the movie's at 1140. I would guess we'd be back here at three. Yeah, probably uh, have to shoot so for four. Why don't we say four? Let's just say four for that. So 4 p.m. Pacific time if you want to hear our hot and fresh reactions of uh, Captain America Civil War spoilery plus we'll have a lot more fun there too anyway guys speaking of upcoming films why don't we then get into this week's superhero spotlight which is inspired by another upcoming film select your hero oh no who's that I am the rocks crash against me and be broken the most famous that? quotes of Apocalypse from the 92 X-Men cartoon. Uh, as one of my favorite lines ever. Did, did I love they go through the age of Apocalypse on the show? Uh, no. Not no. the age of Apocalypse, mm. no. But uh, if the show came out in 92, and Apocalypse was at the height of his popularity yeah. then, I would say. And he was a major baddie on the show. But uh, anyway, yes, this week's Superhero Spotlight is Apocalypse, a.k.a. N. Sabanur, the X-Men villain who is the star of the upcoming film X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, to be played by Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron himself. But he also, like most Marvel villains of the 80s and 90s, has a very complicated and uh, frustratingly so biography. Like, doing the research for this was me finding a bunch of cul-de-sacs of oh wait is this the this is the character's history but this is all just written in biography of like oh and then he met uh, the living monolith well when did he do that well technically in 2006 but it actually it happened first and because he's an eternal character he's in a million flashback stories that make mm-hmm. charting his history very complicated yes. you're gonna try i'm gonna do it right now so yeah, real name in Sabanori. Which means the first one? Yeah, it means the first one or the morning light, according uh, to... It's mo- different translations from Arabic, I guess. But oh, if you, mother, it's just the morning light. <laughs> if, you know, if you know Arabic, please correct me on that. But uh, that's, what I, that's what Wikipedia said. He first appeared in cameo form in X-Factor number 5, but first appeared on panel in full character in X-Factor number 6, July and August 1986. Uh, he was created by Louis Simonson and Jackson Geis, and I learned the interesting bit about him was that the creator of the first four issues of X-Factor, which if you don't know X-Factor originally, it was the original five X-Men, Cyclops, Beast, Jean Grey, Iceman, Angel, all together again in their own new team, and they needed a big bad to face, the guy behind the scenes pulling all the strings. And the original, <laughs> and the original crea- uh, creator of the book he wanted it to be Daredevil villain the Owl, Ugh. which what a waste that would have been. Like, <laughs> uh, it's kind of like trying to make Fetch happen. They keep trying to they keep trying to make the Owl happen as oh, this is the successor to Kingpin, but he gets his ass kicked every time because yeah, he just can, isn't yeah. that cool. You can't have a team of people with powers like the X Men and face down the Owl. <laughs> no way. And so my ears are big. <laughs> 
So editor on the book, Bob Harris, booted Bob Layton from the book, and he said, I need an ultimate A-level, super-de-duper villain for X-Factor to face long-term. And so the writer on the book, Louise Simonson, she, with her artist Jackson Geis, came up with basically their own take on Darkseid. But his name is Apocalypse. He believes in survival of the fittest. He always has his four horsemen backing him up, and he has existed for an untold amount of time. And at the time of his first appearance, he was out to destroy X-Factor as part of a world-conquering scheme. And I love one of his first cover appearances, just Apocalypse's head Mm -hmm. with the five X-Factor characters just flying away from him. Like, whoa! It's such a great cover. And one of his first moves in X-Factor was to kidnap Warren Worthington III, a.k.a. Angel, turn him into death, he called him, by removing his wings and giving him metal wings. Uh, But then he rejected his programming and just became Archangel. Mm -hmm. And in Angel's life, ever since then, it's kind of been back and forth of like, I do have metal wings. I don't have metal wings. I yeah, do. The I problem don't. is he was too cool as Archangel, so yeah. nobody wants to see regular Angel. Even though... That card, that Marvel card. It's one of the, on the preview image for the YouTube mm-hmm. video. Yeah, series, I right? do. His metal wings are so cool. Even, I don't care if it turns him into a zombie who works for Apocalypse. Like, <laughs> and also, what, he was just a blonde rich kid with wings on his back? Like, mm-hmm. he had always been the most boring member of the X. And Sabanor is seen as one of the first mutants, uh, theoretically the first mutant, though Marvel will not commit to that definitely in case they ever want to create an earlier mutant than that. Uh, But he is obscenely powerful, he can shapeshift and pretty much do anything he wants and can survive pretty much anything as well. His powers are kind of hard to define just because Yeah, you'll see him like turning his arm into a giant fist or a a piled you know, a a giant just ramming thing (laughs) or he'll change his size but then I don't know if he has beam weapons, like if he does that or not. On but the like, cartoon, he definitely transformed into laser guns and then okay. shot at people. And it, I, I remember, I really enjoy. I had an apocalypse toy I really liked that had the oh yeah, yeah changeable yeah. arms. Yeah, like a giant drill and stuff, mm-hmm. and like yeah, but like super impervious and yeah. He was the X Factor's big bad, but his origin story would get filled in later. That he was adopted by a group of nomads after being rejected for his blue skin and strange lips by his birth parents 5,000 years ago and the group of nomads taught him the ways of survival of the fittest and from there he got alien tech left by the celestials on earth Mm -hmm. which is you don't call them anymore right (laughs) that's what that's what they're called these space these space giants who did progenitors who grew us they appeared in guardians of the galaxy like that was one of my favorite moments seeing i was blown away by that Mm -hmm. i never thought but this does tread dangerously on like oh all those people back then are stupid they couldn't have built the pyramids it Mm -hmm. must have been aliens certainly (laughs) yeah they couldn't just build it through hard work well speaking of the egyptians at the time too and Sabanor's first big enemy was Ramu Tut. But as we all know, Ramu Tut is actually just Kang posing as a pharaoh when yes. he goes back in time. So every once in a while, they'll, you'll see Kang meet different versions of himself, and one of them is me as the pharaoh. Mm-hmm. But Mia pharaoh? Mia right the pharaoh. Like. You know, he uses the celestial powers and defeats Kang, and then he kind of just travels the world for millennia using his powers to pose as a god. And so there's multiple stories of... Oh, yeah, this thing you think is a legend, that's just Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like, this Doomsday Prophecy, that was Apocalypse. They kind of mention that in the trailers for the movie, too, that, oh, it's the Four Horsemen, like from the Bible. And they implied, no, he gave it to the Bible. I guess the most recent thing he did until current times mm-hmm. was in 1013, he had an attempt to destroy Thor when Thor was just Odin's son with his axe. This was in a recent Uncanny Avengers time travel bit. Uh, which also is when Apocalypse teams up with Kang, hmm. but a Kang in the future with an Apocalypse in the past. Uh, then meanwhile, in 1859, he creates Mr. Sinister. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Sinister, who is complicated enough to deserve his own thing, he, b- believe it or not, Mr. Sinister stabs him in the back. And and Apocalypse goes into hibernation for two for what he thinks will be 200 years. But he's awoken up early through... Um, I guess you'd call it time travel coincidence because Cable exists in the future Mm -hmm. uh, that is caused by Apocalypse, but he is fated to destroy Apocalypse, but he needs to do it in his timeline. But he decides he's going to go back in time to kill Apocalypse while he sleeps because it'll be easy. But his arrival upsets the timeline and wakes up Apocalypse early, causing him to attack X-Factor. And so... 
And if none of this makes sense, it's all because this was basically a bunch of retcons to fix how messed up X-Men was. Like, X-Men in the 90s and 80s was just the starting of a million different mega plot lines that never got tied up until, like, 1999, a bunch of writers said, we've got to... Like, fix all these. What's yeah. every missing plot line? Yeah, stop with all these mysteries and plans and plans. Like, <laughs> And so they say, like, well, we have the prophecy of the Twelve, but we also have uh, the guy Bishop says is going to turn on us, but we also have Apocalypse, and we also have Cable. All oh, right, look, they're strife, all the same thing. Uh, strife, Technorganic Virus, <laughs> like, there's so many things. We, we have to fix all of them, and usually the answer was Apocalypse, which is why his biography also is so very complicated so when he awakens that's when he battles x-factor replaces archangel's wings they eventually beat him when they that era of x-factor ends and he goes into hiding once more and that's when he starts his regeneration thing which is kind of the cycle for apocalypse gets beat up regenerates beat up regenerates but he was kind of gone for a while other than fighting cable and the clone cable's clone strife Mm-hmm. Which, uh, oh boy, it's so it's a whole I, other cop topic. I'm gonna have to get to that in a little bit, but put a pin in that. But uh, <laughs> almost unrelated to Apocalypse, but Charles Xavier's son Legion goes back in time, planning to kill Magneto, but kills Xavier instead. That creates a split timeline that creates the Age of Apocalypse timeline, where mm. if there's no Xavier, Apocalypse takes over the world. I can't believe I originally read that in black and white. What? Yeah, yeah one, of the, one of the trades, like the giant trades had no color and wow. like they were doing that oh yeah they do those like they did those library collections of we will sell this is 400 pages yeah but it's all on newsprint and black and white yeah. <laughs> but if you want if you all you've got is 10 bucks like we'll take you 10 bucks that's how i read it never saw one color <laughs> but it's so colorful i can't imagine yeah. it without colors uh, without seeing his purple when skin. i when i remember it that's what's weird i do remember the color but i know ah. <laughs> but yeah the age of apocalypse thing it made him an even bigger bad but it also it, it was an alternate timeline that they revisited at some points, but it doesn't really inform the 616 apocalypse. But like Age of Ultron, he's like Apocalypse is barely in that story. Yeah. He's just talked about. Well, he's basically the Emperor from yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Like he's one, and everybody else is just a freedom fighter trying to stop him. Mm-hmm. But right after Age of Apocalypse, that comes the Onslaught storyline, and all the shit going down with Onslaught wakes him up again from his regeneration. And it's when he decides that uh, he's going to get together the 12. He's like, the mutants are at their weakest right now. Or they're stretched too thin while all the other Avengers are out. It's time for me to gather the 12, which is another lost plot line where the character of Destiny tells everybody, like, you must find the 12, the 12. And I think I was just a writer. They didn't know what the fuck they were going to do. <laughs> like at, at one point, Apocalypse was supposed to be the third Summers brother, which was another, like, <laughs> dropped plot line until the mid-2000s. Mark Summers. Uh, <laughs> so close, Dave. <laughs> I wish I had that. Forget it. We're going to get sloppy here. <laughs> so when Apocalypse starts his pretty much biggest plan that will impact all the Marvel Universe, he starts building a new four horsemen of the Apocalypse, including Hulk as war and Wolverine as death. And he also gives Wolverine back his adamantium. That's how Wolvie gets back his adamantium claws mm-hmm. after having bone claws for about... Four years. It lasted so long, mm. at least in kid time. And then he brings together the 12, who it turns out are not the guys prophesized to stop Apocalypse, but they're the people he will use to take over their bodies and forever rule the world. But at the time, he's going to take over an alternate history version of Cable called Nate Gray. Mm-hmm. Then he's prevented from that by Cyclops kind of like taking a bullet, as it were, of Apocalypse's soul. And then they thought they were going to kill that. Like, while he's in that body, Cyclops says, kill me, kill me, kill me. But it actually, they don't kill him. And eventually, Jean Grey and Cable will track him down, extract his Apocalypse's soul from Cyclops's, and seemingly destroy Apocalypse. Uh, Not the case, but... uh, Oh, yeah, and the bit with Apocalypse and Cable is that Apocalypse knew that Cable was fated to destroy him, too. But then when he is born as Nathaniel Summers to Madeline Pryor and Scott Summers, 
He then infects a baby with the techno-organic virus, uh, who is then sent to a future to be trained as a as a uh, freedom fighter to then go back in time to fight Apocalypse, who then is gets cloned into another body, and that clone <laughs> is the one that is kidnapped by Apocalypse, who is tortured as uh, as a prisoner, who then becomes Strife, the evil version of Cable. Sounds yeah. like J.R.R. Tolkien's version of the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah. So then, post M Day, which is when no more mutants happened that's when apocalypse finally came back like they really did put a pin in apocalypse for about seven years or something but when he came back he thought oh mutants are really at their weakest and i'm gonna take over again he gets trounced actually pretty well in that one and then the next time he comes back is in x-force when they introduce the character of kid apocalypse yes uh who is called evan sabador that's his name evan Sabanor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his nickname. And he is a clone made of Apocalypse who seems fated to become Apocalypse. And X-Force, they decide, well, we're going to kill him. But at the last minute, no, we're not going to kill him. We're going to we're gonna raise this kid. And so Wolverine spares him and in, puts him into his school, mm-hmm. his uh, Gene, Gene Gray school. For, and, and I like that it's that's in Wolverine and the X-Men, right? He's a student he, at Wolverine and the X-Men. There's a few scenes of his... his fellow students teasing Kid Apocalypse yes. for eventually becoming Apocalypse. Like, I'm going to be the worst guy ever? Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> going to happen, man. Nothing you can do, pussy. And the teacher's just like, please, don't tease him. Don't, don't, don't tease, tease Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And also, that I another bit I loved about Evan was that he had been born in Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so he had all this Kansas pride. Of, eventually, he did sort of become Apocalypse. Actually, Wolverine's son, Dokken, tried to push him into it. And during the uh, the X Men Avengers crossover Axis, I believe he becomes Ugh. evil for a bit. It's best worth forgetting. But when they turn him back, he was last seen running away with Deadpool. Though now Deadpool's around and no Kid Apocalypse, so he seems to be a uh, casualty of the all new, all different Marvel until he comes back. So that's currently where Apocalypse is. You got to think. You would think normally he'd be coming back, but also knowing how much Marvel doesn't want to support a Fox property, mm-hmm. I could see them not doing anything with Apocalypse. Yeah, but they get merchandise money off of that, so I'm surprised they get the they're not like trying something. Yeah, I couldn't find anything for him right now, though. If he does have a new book coming out, I will I will be interested to see that. Meanwhile, in the cartoons, we played the clip of him from X-Men 92. I love that X-Men 92 version of him, played by uh, John Colicos and James Blendick. And I think it's just, <laughs> yes, I know, it's very fun. <laughs> I was laughing more at Dave's laugh, his uncontrollable reaction to the word dick. But he was... Uh, blend, too. God damn it, blend. he was just so great. Like, he was, he had such crazy epic dialogue of him saying things like, you, I'm as far from mutants as you are from humans. Yeah, it's just very, he's very verbose and dramatic. And yeah. Look upon me. I am not evil. I simply am. Yeah. <laughs> See, his memory, that my memory of him in that series is completely over at by Baron Underbite at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Baron Underbite basically is Apocalypse. Visually Apocalypse. And his voice. Like, yeah. it's the exact same thing. And... Uh, I think thanks to his powerful stature, that's also why he ends up being a boss in many video games. Mm. He is an enemy in many Marvel video games. He has just the type of video game boss type thing. And the the game I remember him most in myself was the X-Men Legends games 1 and 2. 1 ends with a tease of him being the villain in 2. 1, the villain is Magneto. Mm-hmm. When you beat Magneto, then there's a teaser video of Apocalypse arriving. Yeah, that, is he on the cover of the second game? Yeah, yeah X-Men Legends 2, Rise of Apocalypse. Uh, That's the name of it. <laughs> And but yeah, he was also. I know he was in some of the versus games. I think he's right? one of the like before onslaught was an NBC one. I think he's an X Men versus Street Fighter yeah. or Marvel superheroes versus Street Fighter uh, as one of those background bosses because it's mm-hmm. Apocalypse and like you can't if you're gonna have a final boss, it needs to be someone like Apocalypse or Onslaught mm-hmm. or someone who's so big and crazy that. Well, Onslaught is a screen filler. I don't think Apocalypse is that big. He has a version that's really huge. Oh, that's right. Well, Well, they all have multiple forms. Like, Onslaught starts as a large sprite that you fight that cheats the shit out of the game. And then he has a giant screen filling version. And I think Apocalypse works the same way. I'm just picturing Apocalypse losing to Dan's little, like, uh, (laughs) fireball. And that brings us to today, where I honestly never thought they'd put Apocalypse in a movie because while I think he's cool, his design of a guy with hoses attached to his arms and a giant letter A and kind of lipstick on his face, it looks a little bit silly. But then, like, 
I don't know when you see Psylocke in the trailer, like yeah, it's this, that's of this design of the same era. And I know, but committing he, to all of it. But then, of course, like the, what was the criticism? He's the uh, looks he's like Ivan News. He looks Ivan like Ivan News, the villain from Power Rangers, the motion picture. Though I, <laughs> I, Oscar Isaac seems to be doing a good job with it. I still can't believe that's him. He's under yeah. so much fucking makeup. Why are you hiding away, Llewellyn Davis? Everything they built will fall. And from the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one. I have, like, only heard him whisper in films. Yeah, it's so wow. strange. Or just being like, hey, man, you're, oh, you're so cool and hugging people as Poe Dameron. It's so weird to see. Like, yeah, just let's get Oscar Isaac, but bury him under all the makeup we can. Didn't you like, put a story up this week about the original yes. makeup for Apocalypse? I'll get into that in the news. All but, right. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, we're anticipating to see how he does in Brian Singer's film. I kind of wish he didn't look the way he does, but that's the Singer universe, man. I, I'm Singerverse. The Singerverse. I and I, I kind of hope it is the end because there is no more ultimate and X-Men villain than Apocalypse. You can't go bigger than Apocalypse, you know? Like, maybe Onslaught? Maybe. Like, I mean, who, Brett, is there any more ultimate I mean, and X-Men yeah, villain than Onslaught him? is like the next level, but then it's like, you're going to combine... I mean, if McAvoy and what's his nuts want to get out, like that's a great way <laughs> to get them out. the two of them into Onslaught. Fastbender, and then you just have some new person cast as Onslaught, who'd probably just be a voice anyway. So yeah, that's it for Apocalypse. He's been around for 30 whole years. But shit, if they did that, that's how they could have a... Uh, there was that rumor of them making a shared universe just for money's sake oh, for with, it. with Marvel. Yeah. And it's like, if you do an Onslaught story, you can actually have that happen. It could transport universes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. All right. It's insane that the movie series has been going on so long that the be- the, the replacements want to get out. <laughs> it is uh, the first X-Men movie this July will be 16 years yeah. old. Wow. Man. All right. Well, that We're is... We're watching it on a Monday Night Movie, aren't we? X-Men 2 yeah. is going to be a Monday Night Movie this month. All right, but that is the superhero spotlight for Apocalypse. Collect your hero. So let's get into the news, guys. Chris, you did mention it. Mm. Our bros at Tested mm-hmm. did an amazing video where they went to Monster Palooza, which is a convention just for monster movie makeup and oh, special awesome. effects. It looked really cool. And so they found, in a corner there, they found Ironhead Studios. Mm-hmm. Now, Ironhead Studios, I'd never heard of it before. But it is basically the production people who do the uh, who did stuff for tons of superhero movies, pretty much every Marvel film, and also Tron. They did uh, Tron two point, not Tron two point Tron whatever Legacy, was. Tron Legacy, and he had all the props there. Like here's Captain America's helmet, here's Loki's helmet, Ooh. and there were two funny bits there that were related to recent comic book movies. One, he said it was just this tiny booth to show off stuff, but the founder of the company jose fernandez who's in the tested interview he says that he's there because partially because they didn't get credited as designing the costumes for batman in batman versus superman and as well as wonder woman and they were kind of peeved about that of not being credited in the credits the credits are like 80 minutes long how did yeah. they miss them uh and so and he talked about how he was actually really proud that he designed a batman cowl mm-hmm. that the neck could turn in it didn't need to be like I didn't even notice it in the film, but yeah, he moves his neck, mm. and it's not the cop out of you know multiple pieces mm. like the mm-hmm. uh, the Dark Knight neck, but it is a full plastic that moves the neck. Yeah, not the the <laughs> Nolan vs. Ball joint. <laughs> yeah, but the other cool part was that they were looking at it, they're like, hey, that's Apocalypse, but that's not the Apocalypse that's in the movie. Fernandez reveals that while he did work on some stuff that is an X-Men Apocalypse, mm-hmm. they turned down his design for the movie, but he said he had a he already had the sculpt base for Oscar Isaac's head, so he decided he'd just do it and make what his Apocalypse head would have been. And so it's proof that like Oscar Isaac could put this on right yeah. now, apparently, and just be the better Apocalypse. And it is the classic Apocalypse design of just the line on the lips. Like, you can change all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, it doesn't translate one-to-one but the line on the lips that's like eh, spider-man doesn't need white on his eyes or or uh, does wolverine really need three claws it yeah. feels that intrinsic to the pop. i have a feeling it's going to lead to some precedent because they, they leaked that before the movie was out yeah and you can't what studio wants you to show people an alternate preferable design before the that's, movie has premiered it's true it seemed maybe a little bit of like he was like in fuck it mode of like yeah these are our partners but screw it man uh, he, uh, but yeah, that's cool. So there were a bunch of interviews for 
Civil War coming out, which involved the Russo brothers giving some new tidbits on the next two Marvel films they're working on. Uh, first off, they said Infinity War Part 1 and 2 aren't going to be called that, but they're not revealing what they're going to be called, but it is, I why guess... Yeah, why, why, why call Part 1 and Part 2? Why bother? You're not based on a book? Yeah, or I a- mean, new... Well, originally you were thinking like, oh, so Part 1 will be probably what, Thanos... Yeah. Obtaining all the gems, and then you're going to pay it off with a big, like, movie long yeah, fight. Mega fight. But now it seems more like yeah, maybe. Why not call it something else? Well, in- call it something Infinity else. Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War. Why not? Yeah, it might just be like they're going to wrap up. Like, they didn't, maybe they're not going to get to Thanos until the mm. second of those. They're just like, with all the shifting they've had to do with Spider Man and Panther and yeah. Carol Danvers, like, all that shit, I think they are just kind of like, maybe we got to move some stuff around. It could just be called the New Avengers or something. Oh, or yeah. Do they pull Inhumans off entirely? Uh, they, no, but they've just been more and more non committal about it, but they have not officially ended it. Uh, the Russo Brothers also says, don't get your hopes up that you'll see any of the Defenders, a.k.a. the Netflix heroes, in a movie, yeah. in in the movies, uh, though. Oh, I didn't breaking on... the entire point of this whole endeavor. Yes, that's why you you're owned by the same company. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> though, speaking of the Netflix verse, uh, they did announce the Punisher spinoff show starring John Bernthal. So, making five Netflix series or six, if you count Jesus the Defenders Christ. one, that's supposed to be a limited series. That'll not, all have I'm multiple seasons. I'm not tired yet. But it... what do you count Titus as Iron Man? <laughs> In Jimmy <laughs> Schmidt. Uh, all right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, oh, there was a great uh, rumor I read today, which I want to be real, but I don't believe it because it was on a Russian news website first. But it is that Sucker Punch is rumored to be the guys making the next Spider-Man game. This Russian gaming news site found an early leaked Amazon listing for Infamous Electric Edition. Huh? And it is it seems to be the remaster of the first Infamous, which like who the fuck cares? But <laughs> but whatever. But on the cover it said packed in demo of Sucker Punch's Spider-Man game. And that is exactly what you would fake if you wanted to trick me, because it was just a screenshot of an Amazon page on a Russian gaming mm. news site. But this would fit with the rumor before that Sony was making an exclusive Spider-Man game for their movie next year, like a PS4 exclusive one. And so I could see them theoretically, you know, sharing it with Activision. And Sucker Punch is exactly the Sony team I would put on that. Like, I, did, I did love First Light. They're great at they're they're great at building a city for mm-hmm. for a super being to be in mm-hmm. and those powers are the best part of infamous like i don't love infamous mm-hmm. but they, their expression of powers is really great yes. mm-hmm. olivia mm-hmm. munn was almost deadpool's girlfriend yeah that's she, that was weird she had been offered that role but she took psylocke instead and uh i i know i'd rather be a superhero than a love interest yeah, yeah but is is uh is what is her name i totally forgot it uh, Anara, Anara. Yes. <laughs> we'll call her Anara from Firefly. Is she gonna? Is she forecast to be any other superhero? Do I, we ever get a con? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I, but I think she will be back in Deadpool. But you can see how a casting director would look at a photo of Olivia Munn and then be like, "Well, who do we get that looks yes, like yes. that?" Yeah, like, yeah, and, wow. she did a it's great a job. Yeah. role than just someone's girlfriend, though. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. And uh, Olivia you know, Munn pegging uh, Ryan Reynolds would have been <laughs> even better. <laughs> so Agent Carter might be canceled, guys. I thought they were talking about that anyway. Well, Haley Atwell has apparently been signed to a new pilot, which Mm -hmm. that's also like, hey, this actor from Game of Thrones didn't cut their hair. I wonder if they're dead for real. Mm -hmm. Similar deal of this person has now a new contractual obligation with a different show. That probably means they can't be on the other show. Yeah, I feel like when they moved it to L.A. to be like, oh, and she's on the West, like, uh, I think you lost something. Like yeah. I, I stopped watching it, but it was an attempt at a shakeup. Like they yeah, wanted it. I, 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 don't know. I didn't. Yeah, but you know. why can't it just exist as a not a one-off, but like a limited run thing? That's like fine. How, yeah. how long could that have? Yeah, no, yeah. it's. I'm totally fine with it. Like, here's this fun. You, this character got thirty hours yeah. worth of story, which is still more than Captain America has had. <laughs> <laughs> and if she got just ten episodes here and there, maybe even Haley Atwell could be like. On another show, maybe yeah, she could still show up somewhere. Uh, though it also said that the 
Mockingbird spinoff of S.H.I.E.L.D. is in doubt as well. Well, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, fan of the show Phil the Guy, he pointed out to me that they just had two freaking Krees on the recent episode. Really? Oh, really? But if they're going to start bringing in the Krees, like, that's almost like the Krees are just almost as important to a Captain Marvel film yeah. as Inhumans are to the Inhuman movie. Mm-hmm. You can't start, start taking the seal off that and then not recognize it in the film. Well, by know? the time they get to either of those, S.H.I.E.L.D. will probably be canceled, so... <laughs> Yeah, very likely. You're right. Uh, and then lastly, guys, did you know that in five different Batman films... I didn't know There this. is a U.S. senator. <laughs> did you guys know this? Yeah. Did you guys hear about that? Yeah, about that. He's in five Batman films. He's most notable for the first guy Heath so Ledger senator, holds a knife to. Yeah, the guy who grabs the back of his head. That and, is a U.S. senator who that is... That is <laughs> Senator Patrick Leahy, yeah. a Democrat from Vermont, and... Uh, the whole video is great to watch. I'm actually yeah. before this episode posts, I'll just do a post for it on the site. Sure, but. Yeah, he, that he's he's so into Batman and has he he would have been since no celebrities were going out on a limb and talking <laughs> about fucking Batman on the Tonight Show. This mm-hmm. senator was hanging he, with DC. That's why he's been in five of them. Like yeah. because he was he's in Batman. Like he's in the. Uh, in Batman and Robin, at the auction to date Poison Ivy, he's in the audience. Wow. And uh, it was, came from him apparently meeting with the DC people and him saying to them, like, oh, them you, said this, you said this about Batman, but actually, in issue blank, on page blank, Batman actually did this. And they said, ha ha, very funny, Mr. Senator. And then when they got home, they got to their <laughs> library, they're like, holy shit, he was exactly right. So, And he also apparently used his... Um, his love of Batman with his love of civics to use Batman in a Batman comic to advertise <laughs> yeah. the need to ban exporting war, uh, landmines. landmines. Yeah, yeah, it was an anti-landmine Batman comic in the 90s. But he took a stand on landmines. Somebody had to else. <laughs> don't stand on landmines. Yes. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't take a stand. Uh, uh, that was, I think, I, all the news. I have one. And I, oh, yeah, I, we got I'm, a, news? I'm terrified to bring it up because I don't want to pour any more salt in my wound that is Batman oh, versus no. Superman. Uh, but, but I... Still hate that movie. I'm still yep. angry at that movie. Yeah. It's okay if you like it. That's fine. Yep. Somebody dug up an old interview with Zack Snyder from EW this. from five years ago. 2008. And, um, 2008. This is him saying, you could call it highbrow comics, but to me, the comic book was just pretty sexy. He's talking about Watchmen. Yep. And saying that he doesn't understand comics without a lot of gore and sex in them. Yep. Uh, I had a buddy who tried to get me into normal comic books, and I was like, no one is having sex or killing each other. This is a quote. Yes. This is a quote. Yes. Uh, this isn't really doing it for me. I was a little broken that way. So when Watchmen came along, I said, this is more my scene. And then he, uh, he start praising Nolan Batman a little bit. And uh, everyone says that Nolan's Batman begins. Batman is dark. I'm like, no, Batman's cool. He gets to be a, go be a, in a Tibetan monastery and be trained by ninjas. Okay, I want to do that. But he doesn't, like, get raped in prison? That could happen in my movie. Uh, if, if you want to talk about dark, that's what I, that's where I would go. This is a direct quote from Zack Snyder Fuck right before that, he got man. Batman vs. Superman. Well, we Fuck. still haven't seen a superhero rape yet, so... Fuck not? that, no, man. No, I, that well, is, in Watchmen you did. Yeah. That is horrible. Well, you, yeah, you yeah that's, that's what attracted oh, yeah. him to the film. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. You read that stuff and you're like, yeah, when I finally saw tits in Watchmen, like, if the tits in Watchmen are what you came there for, like, stay the fuck <laughs> away from Watchmen. You know, and, and what is the fine. most embarrassing scene fun. in Watchmen? It's not it's abandoning the cotton scene. Scene. It's the Leonard Cohen con- like sex yeah. scene. I know. I had people still in up in my fucking chat defending that when I said I, I put up a tweet saying if you gotta consider Zack Snyder's Watchmen good, please remember he added a lengthy set scene, sex scene set to Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which has to be the Hallelujah. most like Hallelujah is the most overused song. Like if you're a film director, don't put that in your movie because hack it's been shit. an eight. It's the hackiest hack shit. Ugh, I didn't want to bring that up because I didn't want to get into <laughs> bitching about him again. But, I just I couldn't yes. I, I couldn't believe that I couldn't believe that. Yeah, and there were the news coming out that more people were. Saying like they definitely did a bunch of reshoots to make uh, Suicide Squad. The guy from Flash left, uh, directing Flash left over saying creative differences in like division. Which, uh, yeah, Paul Bettany, not my guy. No, (laughs) though it also was his first time directing, so it could just. Warner could have said our creative direction is we don't want to give two hundred million dollars to a guy who hasn't directed a movie before. I think could also be that. I think. Marvel's good at that, but uh, Fantastic Four has made everybody a little weary of yeah. first-time-out visionaries. That guy ruined it for everybody, man. Yeah, it could have been ruined for him. I don't know. Josh yeah. Trank, hope you get to make another movie. Yeah, just for like Not $5 million, million dollars, <laughs> make your own Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and yeah. prove yeah, you're, there you go. you're ready again. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, and I still I still think it's a 50-50 chance. I know they've cast people. Mm-hmm. They've made the costumes. They've done all the stuff. I still think it's a 50-50 chance we'll see a Flash and, or Aquaman film. Like, I just... Aquaman especially. I mm-hmm. just can't... By, like, 2017, once they really start filming it, someone will come to their senses and say, like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> We're going to spend $300 million on this. All right. I, would, let's not, I don't want to yeah. get anybody mad. I'm sorry. I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got questions for me, questions from you, and... Oh, and I read a few books, too. Yeah, me too. Are you already tired of 2016? Jump into the past with 302010, our weekly pop culture time machine podcast. Here's something you may remember from 1996. Dana Carvey show premieres oh, God. on, so, and I have never heard of this, but... Uh, Steve Carell, a cast member on the show, uh, Ted, Ted Koppel impression. I want to say to the Japanese, hey, Mr. Yakitori, hey, Mrs. Teriyaki, hey, make your own boom boxes and sushi, we don't need you. And I want to say to the Mexicans, hey, Pablo, Don <laughs> Deus, a 40-foot wall of reinforced steel. Pablo, <laughs> uh, uh, barbed wire, Pablo. <laughs> So like so this is what this we is, call satire. This is now the current yes, exa- actual like politics. This, I, it doesn't have the bite hearing this right now, but in '96 after yeah. Home Improvement, this is funnier and more irreverent than SNL oh, yeah, with a bigger I, yeah. budget. I think another character on that same episode they ate the heart of a Mexican. That's thirty twenty ten. A weekly look at what happened in pop culture thirty years ago, twenty years ago, and ten years ago. Every Thursday, right here on the Laser Tab Network. Last week on Cheap Podcast, the unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. So the way I think of uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is like, it's this beautiful meal that's, yeah. that every place makes. Beef lasagna or whatever. I love this at every place I go to. And now you've given the ingredients to WWE of like, can you make this great lasagna for me? And I fear they're going to undercook it or not do it the right way. And and I'll be like, well, this will still be good. Like, it's lasagna, but I've had it better. And yeah. so I just don't want that to happen. So you really want lasagna. <laughs> Let's go get lasagna. Garfield wins. Listen to Cheap Popcast on the Laser Time Network and on iTunes and on the Internet every Friday morning. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to this Patreon-supported podcast. In case you didn't know, this is what we do full-time. And the way we're able to do that is thanks to generous listeners like yourself who donate to the show at patreon.com slash laser time. You know, it's not uh, a cheap world we're living in, and podcasting ain't easy. So please, if you'd like to support everything that Laser Time does... Go to patreon.com slash laser time. Or if you want to support us in a different way, you can always buy stuff through Amazon. There'll be links to Amazon on this week's episode page on lasertimepodcast.com. And there's a bunch of others on the right hand part of the screen. Now, you don't have to buy what we're suggesting on Amazon, but if you buy anything through those links, a little bit of money gets kicked back to us at no extra cost to you. It's an easy way to support Laser Time and Cape Crisis. Oh, also, I should give you guys the update. If you were looking for Cape Crisis and other Laser Time podcasts to appear on more formats, have I got good news for you. We are now on Google Play and Stitcher. Google Play and Stitcher. So look for our podcast on there, or there's links to subscribe to it on this week's episode page, again, on LaserTimePodcast.com. And now it's time for the Hanks Corner pick of the week you know it just came out uh in a collected form and i'm a real big fan of it jeff lee myers and dustin wins descender a very good pinocchio in outer space sci-fi space opera torture thing uh it's just amazing it's such an amazing amazing book more people should be reading it first and second volumes are both a very affordable and very worth your time and i should also mention i did not mention it on the rest of the episode but it 
must be said, this week is free comic book day. Yes, as usual, to coincide with the first weekend of May, which is when a Marvel film is usually releasing, this week's marks another free comic book day. Go to your local comic shop, buy some comics there, pick up the free comics, but be sure to buy stuff because those comics aren't free to the retailer. They're meant to get you into the store, so you will pick up some merch while you're there, and there's tons of great stuff to get. Why not get some of the stuff we suggest on this page? I mean, that first volume of Descender, only 10 bucks, totally worth it as is, say, Black Magic, or even a bunch of other great stuff we all talk about on this episode. So, support your local comic book shop on free comic book day. Alright, back to the rest of the show! Welcome back, and it's What You Been Reading Time on episode 187 on an undercover podcast. I can participate. (laughs) Yes, I I read a few books myself. Uh, So first off, I read, I want to start with the image premiere number one issue of The 1%, which is basically, what if... Bernie that, Sanders. Oh no, no! What if? Yeah, what if Bernie Sanders made a comic book? Mm-hmm. That is basically this. But no, it's what if Batman and Punisher were the same guy and hunted down rich people and murdered them and redistributed their wealth? I want to read this so bad. Yeah, uh, Renato Renato Jones is the main character. It's really good. It's drawn. It is written, drawn, created, and owned by Kari Andrews, which is an important fact for him. So. Cut back to a year ago. If you listened to a year ago, uh, Dave, you were on this one with uh-huh. Danielle Riendo, the Image Expo yeah, yeah. I went to. That's when this book was announced. And it was announced by Kari Andrews by him saying that he was very pissed off at Marvel for not giving him the respect he felt he was due. And so he's like, fuck all this. I'm finally creating my own book that I own myself. And it's the 1%, which is about killing the people who take, who I the rich people who just take Love liberal snuff porn. Yeah, <laughs> love it. And it is, it is way over the top. Like it is, uh, what you call it, like an exploitation film feel from the 70s and, ah. and drawn to such extremes. And they really like Charles Brunson. And when they, in, when they introduce the hedge fund manager villain of the comic, it's just like, <laughs> dude, dude, I'm such a philanthropist, dude. Oh man, look at this tech dude you didn't see me doing all this charitable work in my instagram <laughs> rode my hoverboard to work <laughs> it, it it was a really fun book i don't know how it can inconvenience s- dozens of people on the sidewalk <laughs> the the first issue is pretty complete as well so it's a good like four dollars well spent i'd say uh, i'm gonna go get it immediately yeah it was it was a lot of fun and to me you know if you enjoy it you should read but I don't even know if you should read Kari Andrews' uh, Iron Fist book from Marvel because he's pretty pissed off he made it, it seems like. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he's it was it was a real fun little book. Uh, speaking of violent people in number ones, Punisher number one came Ooh, out this did week. Did you read it? I did. I did. Uh, so written by Becky Cloonan, art by Steve Dillon. Can Steve Dillon stop drawing Punisher? Like, yeah, I don't just, like it. I, I like his art. He does action so well, but I'm just like, do a different thing. Like Punisher needs to look different. But yeah, I, I was, I, yeah. I don't like his the look of his Punisher for some reason. Yeah, I do think the inker on it though, Dylan face. Steve Dylan yeah. can draw five faces. Yeah, but I think the uh, inker on it or somebody or maybe just him worked harder to get more facial variety. Well, he's gonna have to after the introduction of face. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's right. That's, uh, we're not spoilers, gonna spoil anything, spoiler. but um, when there's a character called the face, you're yeah, he's introduced in the first like the first couple of panels. But yeah. The end review. But again, Elston, I will say, remember, you know, we complain about first issue Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. This is the best first issue Marvel anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It is a complete adventure. It's partially done in that the Punisher never speaks. Mm-hmm. He just shows up and it establishes the entire situation right? without I him even being there. I don't think he says there. a word he in the book. He, wow, ne- he never I says one word. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, he never says one word, but like the, the enemy here being mm-hmm. this gang with this drug that makes people hyper violent and strong and like that that needs to be brought up that is the most violent comic i've seen under marvel in the last three or four years it's the only one i've seen with a parental advisory sticker on it yeah not it for has, kids it has a very clear not for kids on it even though it is like it's not in max though but it is a pg-13 yeah. well no it's r-rated it's already no, violent well, not to get off on i don't want to get off on that because i don't really care but yes yeah. america has a really idiotic it censors the word pussy but <laughs> yes. shows like 
X-rated blood and guts. Eyes exploding. In the comic, but but exactly like, exactly the same way Netflix deals with the Marvel shows. They say ass and occasionally shit. Never fuck, but you can watch a guy get impale his own face. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Close up and you can watch a guy's head get squished in a car door. Those Puritan roots, man. But yeah, because Oh yeah, we definitely have wars and fight, but nobody fucks. Because they they say fuck and pussy and all this other, they just, they bleep it out, but it's very clear that's what it is. From context, you know exactly where it is every time. But in the notice, note the word ass is used like 800 times in the first panel and i'm not i'm not bashing it because i do i like it's fine. i did it's... not exp- i read the previous punisher um restart and i wasn't oh, that yeah, into the greg it. rucka one yeah and this is i'm very interested in this this is pretty fucking neat mm-hmm. um no i'm i'm excited to see where it goes it's really interesting to see like i feel like this is the first woman to write a regular punisher series mm-hmm. like and so i'm i'm interested to see where it goes like it's just it was a fun first book and I'm glad Punisher's getting in zone book. The most satisfying first issue I've read from Marvel in a fucking eon. Uh, it's definitely your favorite of the all new, all different era. I mean, not even that it's my favorite story. Just as a, like, I'm with Elson on that first issue blues. I hate buying one issue, getting a quarter of a story and then waiting a month for me to get the next quarter of a story. And this is, this is just a beautiful setup. Yeah, yeah. I well, also I read Amazing Spider-Man twelve, mm. which was a fun kind of one-off, but also part one of a story. But it works with it is its own thing, which is Iron Man and Spider-Man meet for the first time since basically Peter Parker became Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. And so it's a team up thing and it's really funny especially where Spider-Man uh, Peter Parker is very jealous that when he finds out mm-hmm. Mary Jane is working for him and there's also this hilarious lampshade hanging on uh bad continuity because when Bendis wrote Mary Jane coming into the Iron Man book he kind of ignored their hi- their past history together which is Mary Jane lived in the fucking Avengers building, Mm -hmm. and even if Iron Man doesn't remember Spider-Man's secret identity, he'd still kind of remember, he should remember Mary Jane being in the building. Yeah, for years. But in the book, he doesn't. And then in the amazing Spider-Man team-up, Spider-Man, or Peter Parker introduced himself to Tony Stark, said, hey, it's me, Peter Parker. And he says, have we met before? And Peter Parker literally says, you know me and MJ, we lived in the Avengers building, remember? We built the Iron Spider suit for Spider-Man. <laughs> and Tony just says, I meet a lot of people, so sorry. <laughs> and he just like, it was, it was a cute, a cute Why would, if, he's, if his secret identity is back, though, like, why would he remind him of, like, remember when you used to know who I was? Well, because technically he just remembers it. Uh, Tony remembers it as just Peter Parker was there helping his friend Spider-Man. Uh, okay. So he's just building back into that backstory there. And yeah, there's also a really funny bit where Peter tries to uh, hire Pepper Potts as revenge and uh, a funny, a funny shit. And then I also read Poe Dameron 2 on this May the 4th, which was a, a nice little continuation of uh, yeah, the story. I, I, bought, I bought the first volume of Darth Vader in the sale. Five buckaroos. Yeah, it was cheaper than, cheaper than buying the single issues that I oh, yeah. didn't have of the first six and <laughs> buying this on sale. It was kind of disappointing because I have like three of those issues already. Yeah. Uh, but I, it fucking great it, and it's we're recording this on uh, May the 4th Star Wars Day mm-hmm. and I, I deleted I, I'm a, the king of deleting tweets but like <laughs> what is it about this genocidal psychopath that makes us all so happy every time we see him <laughs> I think it is important that in that book they make sure he is attacking bad guys like he is almost always killing but empires he kills so many people in the fucking first volume of he that really thing. does but they were all bad people and it's just to remind you that and I see all this official Disney and Lucasfilm stuff happy Star Wars Day here's yeah. Darth Vader like he's well, that, like the biggest murderer in the Disney universe yeah, and then Invader down like he mops the floor with a bunch of not bad guys yeah Shit. he kills quite a lot of rebels in that mm. though then again this is the same guy like the prequels still count so he's killed about five I'd say a hundred children mm-hmm. like this Anakin killed 500 children if you count unless you don't view Tusken Raiders as children but the, I guess it's because you can delight in that you know his end in that well yeah. he's bad but he'll die so I like <laughs> and he redeems himself in the very end so you know he's a redeemed character I guess so you can yeah. root for him I don't know I just I think that's I think that's so weird because I am guilty of the exact same thing. I see Darth Vader, I automatically get happy. And yeah. how is that the case? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was doing you know that reminded me of uh, when we did the commentary for Captain America: Winter Soldier this week. Uh, that's right up Patreon on Bandcamp if you're not and, a patron and ba- LaserTime.bandcamp.com, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, when we did that, 
I was reminded people told me, oh, you're so upset about when Superman kills anybody or Batman implies to kill anybody. Captain America and Iron Man kill people all the time. And when I saw it in Winter Soldier, I'm like, yeah, he really is killing a lot of people. (laughs) Kills a bunch of people. But he's a soldier. He kills people. Like, maybe it's a double standard. When they show direct death in Winter Soldier, even Mm -hmm. now, it's... Only when the bullets the, those people fire are deflected off his shield and back into them. That's those true. are the people Captain America definitively killed. Other people just fall off screen. Yeah, he was also in a war where he presumably killed a <laughs> yes. lot of people. A lot, so it's of, like... lot of white faces were murdered. <laughs> but when he kicks people off a boat, yeah. you yeah. could imagine somebody. Yeah. Well, picks they them fall that far and hit the water. Uh, if they didn't die on impact, they're going to die of everything else in the ocean. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, did anybody else read anything? Uh, yes, I read the new Walking Dead. Oh, really? Uh, Walking Dead. Yes, uh, it's a it's a good one because uh, they finally got Negan out. Like he spent like I been think, in a jail almost cell, like, yeah, like a, a year, a year mm-hmm. in a cell in the basement of a house just talking to Rick. But now he's mm. he's interacting with the Whisperers, who which are the new big bad. So Ooh. it's a, a a nice change of pace. And for the first time in a while, I'm like, I really want the next issue now. Uh, that's good. Yeah, that's they they thing. needed to rebuild after uh, uh, they need to get back that anticipation because I think after war people were just kind of like drained or whatever, and now it's just been like a reset since the yeah. war storyline, like with you know the ship it in time jump and uh-huh. all that. Last week I forgot to mention I got the second collected volume of the humans. Mm, Holy shit, the that. humans is the best. It is the 1970s biker movie starring oh, yeah. only apes who <laughs> fuck enslaved human beings. It's it's incredible from what Keenan Marshall Keller and Tom Neely. I love the art in these issues so much. It is just such a straightforward like dirty yeah. road movie from it's, the 70s. It's like the kind of thing you would get you would get like at a bar in like a staple together yeah. magazine. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's, but they're game. all apes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's my love for Planet of the Apes, but are, I love it so much. Are there any uh, monkey blowjobs in this one? N- yes. Yes. Yes, yes. All right, yes there are. All, so immediately. Uh, well, all right. Well, Two, the only to the same guy, though, I noticed. The big old orangutan biker. Uh, so this week's Ask Hank, let's get into that, where you, in the comments for each week's episode, ask me a question and I'll answer it. And I've been really enjoying these, so, you know, go to lasertimepodcast.com and go to the uh, page for this episode and you can ask them in the comics and I'll ask answer the ones I like next week. Uh, so Bittersweet Jesus asks, Doctor Doom versus Batman, who has the most parental issues? <laughs> uh, and Doom makes Batman seem healthy. Wait, what, I, what are Doom's parental issues? Uh, Doom's parental issues is uh, he never knew his father, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, but he was raised by his mother in a clan of gypsies, and his mother is killed uh, like the gypsy scum she is. And <laughs> no, but and he forever wants to bring her back. Like the machine he builds that explodes in college with Reed Richards and cuts mm-hmm. his face. That is. See, to that's contact a... his mother in hell and to free her from hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, she was dragged to hell. But yep. but factoring that, I still want to say Batman just mm-hmm. because. He's... Well, yeah, because he ends up with a childish notion of like, yes. I will stop all crime. Whereas Doom is at least, yeah, I'm fucking. I mean, I'll at least this... acknowledge some of my evilness. I will not pretend I'm a, a just mm-hmm. and. But I do this. I my mom inspired me, and if I have time, I will free my mom from hell. But I also want to rule this country, and I do. And yeah, I, though I do think Batman has resisted. There have been a couple comics where, hey, Batman, what if I what if I put your parents in a Lazarus pit? Would you like that? And Batman says, no, they they need to be a monument to death. And then Doom is like, if I could bring back my mom, I would one hundred percent do that. <laughs> yeah, so, wow, winner, clear winner of Batman. There, he yeah. is does have a time machine, so I don't know why that hasn't happened. <laughs> uh, time as he proved, keeps forgetting as proven in the classic uh, Marvel two and one number. Uh, I'm going to say sixty four. Sure. Uh, when Thing goes back in time there where it's to prevent himself from becoming the Thing it actually creates two splinter timelines mm-hmm. so you cannot change the Marvel timeline by going back in time though of course Bendis had never heard of this when he wrote his stupid Age, Age of, Ultron of Ultron and did change the timeline you can't change the Marvel timeline by time travel that's old Marvel rules Bendis <laughs> anyway uh, Brandolph asks what underrated Marvel comic series do you think w- should be adapted next into a Netflix show mm. I think we ended this before but uh, let me praise Brian Michael Bendis I really enjoyed his work on Moon Knight uh, it's Moon Knight in LA as half part time stunt coordinator part time super superhero and uh, Mark Spector is just the kind of like washed out Batman wannabe that I think would make a good Netflix character She-Hulk yeah She-Hulk She-Hulk I, it's it's saying underrated now just because it's over but when like it's the perfect it's a perfect Jeremy Renner Hawkeye movie Matt Fraction's Hawkeye mm-hmm. why can't there be just a straightforward kind of 
Dramedy? Just, just a six episode uh, yeah. uh, Hawkeye show starring Renner? No, it's just a fucking standalone movie. Like put it yeah. out at put it out at like Christmas. Take the family to go see it. Pizza dog. It'll make give it, everybody chills. Make it cheap for a hundred million. A hundred million dollar cheap film yeah. like they did with Deadpool. Just yeah, just honestly, <laughs> Marvel look to Deadpool and make your own Deadpool style film with Hawkeye. Yeah, just every, everything needs to be a tentpole. Uh when Ellie Kemper isn't Kimmy Schmidt, she should be Squirrel Girl. Ooh. Oh, she is the perfect squirrel wow, girl. Yeah. That is is, that is amazing. Uh, I'm just remembering her selfies with the squirrel in the new oh yeah. season. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that show, that is the best Netflix show. Uh, Retro Game Dave says, Hank, have you ever read The Boys by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson? I have. If so, what's your opinion on the book's take on soups, a.k.a. superheroes? I read it and I thought it was okay and I really love the Derek Robertson art, but Ennis, it was the book where finally Ennis's cynical... Mm-hmm. Nay, hateful view on superheroes mm-hmm. kind of got to me. I was just like, I get it. You hate superheroes. You really hate yeah, them. I, I think I can't take it anymore. I read the first volume in like a within a sea of cynical responses mm-hmm. to Marvel and DC comics. Yeah, and I, I can't even distinguish it other than I know Simon Pegg is a character. Yeah, I mean, literally, Simon Pegg is not into it. I I appreciated that they went all the way through and they did. They told their story in like sixty something issues. But yeah, the only the big negative I have on it is just that uh, I had read all of his Punisher stuff. I had read his Hitman book and a bunch of other comics he did too. And I've read enough times of seeing Garth Ennis make fun of superheroes and say they're stupid. I'm like, I get it. I get it. This joke's over now. Wait, just so I have nowhere else to say it, and I know comic fans might care. Oh. Uh, what I haven't been reading is any more of the Game of Thrones books. <laughs> I've been watching the show, which is officially way out of the book continuity. Yeah, they're pretty and much into the sixth book. Now, it has right? never been better. Maybe it, maybe it's just not having any idea what's happening, but it seems to be without adhering to its source material is moving along at a much more brisk and television like pace. To where like yeah. the last episode I saw was one of the best episodes of anything on television, and wow. I was I've been kind of ho hum on the series for a while. Well, meanwhile, like uh, George R. R. Martin is just watching, just checking days off on his calendar towards death, He's and like yeah. slowly distancing himself from every any controversy he can't be uh, yeah. blamed for writing. Is like, that on the same night as Silicon Valley, so I'm wondering if that's probably why yeah. that had the horse fucking on. So they're, uh, they're the same. same. They are the same. So I did read right. in the news. Hey, that was real horse fucking. Yeah. happened in the episode. What? Yep. Silicon Valley had horse fucking in the background of a scene. You mean two horses having sex together, right? Well, one Not was fucking. No, T.J. Miller was clearly fucking. I, like, I don't know. I don't know that show, man. I don't know what Mike Judge is going to do. Fucking giving it to this horse. <laughs> uh, it's like this horse exploded AIDS on uh, Jerry Seinfeld's vomit. That's a T.J. Miller joke there, man. It really was. If you've seen Deadpool, you know. You're okay, you're okay with AIDS on vomit? That's fine. When it's coming from T.J. Miller, yes. Yeah. But not uh, boogers. Not boogers. No, oh, I let's see not dig saying. any deeper, guys. Uh, so, and lastly, <laughs> the water- morality of your gag reflex. <laughs> Watership Down Syndrome asks the most important question: mm. Hank, what's your favorite Law and Order show and cast? <laughs> I've talked about Law and Order on here enough times. There's never the, been a Law and Order comic. You know, Jerry Orbach could come back. I don't believe there has been, but uh, obviously, Vanilla Law and Order is my favorite Law and Order. I'm not so into sex crimes or Detective Crazy Pants, which was Criminal Intent. Like Vincent D'Onofrio is the lead in that, and like, well, what if there was a crazy detective? Aren't, aren't there like eight shows about does that? Does he play by his own rules? He does, mm. and he's, he's does he have kind, a special brand of justice? He's like Monk but fatter <laughs> and a little meaner. That's Kingpin, everybody. We tied it in. But anyway, yeah, Vanilla Law and Order, I really love it. My favorite cast, I would have to say, would be uh, Jerry Orbach, Christopher Noth, uh, and uh, the Sarge. With uh, Sam Watterson, Hennessy, and Hill, a.k.a. Adam Schiff. I think that's the best collection of them. Though, to tie this back to comics, I would say one of my favorite bits in the late years of Law & Order where Anthony Anderson was a cop with the the crazy brother on Six Feet Under. Remember, like, Nate's girlfriend had a crazy brother. Yes, Jeremy, uh, shit, what's his name? So the that, guy from Clueless. Yeah, the guy from Clueless. Mm-hmm. He was the other cop in that. And there was a bit where Anthony Anderson was like, oh, this guy we're looking for loves comic books. And then the what's guy from... What's a comic book? Then the guy from Six Feet Under says, oh, what's his favorite books? What, I read. I read comics. <laughs> They all start, they start geek shaming him. How dare they? <laughs> all right, so let's get into last week's question of the week replies. Of course, last week's question of the week was FMK, MCU's Cap, <laughs> Thor, and Iron Man. And there were some pretty funny explanations of it here. Uh, so Tanga says, 
I'll say fuck Thor because he's a big hunky slab of muscle mm. that's way above my league. Mary Cap because he's the sweetest guy when he's not punching Nazis in the gobbles. <laughs> and kill Iron Man because nothing personal, but I dislike arrogant rich people as a rule. And all the 2016 election news isn't helping me reconsider that rule. Uh, Bittersweet Jesus says, okay, I'll marry Thor because he's a god. Fuck Cap because even though something tells me sex with him would be awful and I'd kill Tony. Uh, but then use Thor's hammer to restart Tony's heart or something. Uh, Brandolph says I'd marry Tony gotta do that gold digger thing first fuck Cap so I can say that I fucked America (laughs) and kill Thor because I don't want to hear any of that Asgard Shakespearean nonsense anymore (laughs) good point Onimaru said fuck Thor because he's a sexy slab of man meat marry Cap because his good nature would make him good husband material and kill Tony because everything that is wrong in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is his fault huh uh, wow, yeah. Two separate readers called him a slab of man meat. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's what guys. I mean, you look at him, and it's your immediate thought. Raccoon Hale said, "Cap, uh, fuck Cap." Didn't someone say he has infinite endurance? <laughs> uh, marry Thor because uh, space Viking adventures all the time, and kill Tony because he built Ultron. <laughs> Gersnort said, fuck Thor, because he probably puts him back and hammer into it. Marry Iron Man because of the money, and kill Captain America because hail Hydra. And lastly, Ravenvom said, uh, normally I wouldn't say this, but I think I'd marry Thor because he'd be eternally young. And as long as I play along, he'd let me have some of that golden apple uh, that would grant eternal youth, vigor and virtual immortality for Asgardians. I hate getting older and I want to be an eternal man, baby. (laughs) I want to be a baby. (laughs) Fuck Stark because who knows how he treats his mistresses. And uh, kill Cap because he's married to his job. I don't care if he's a good guy. That doesn't make him a good husband. Also, the super soldier serum only magnifies what's inside a person. Like Cap's patriotism and duty, nobody ever said it magnifies what's hanging outside of his body. Otherwise, that serum would not be lost to time. So this week's question of the week. uh, Has there ever been an artist or writer you would follow from book to book, even if you didn't like the other writer or artist? Uh, and so I bring this one up because I did read Boys mainly because I love Derek Robertson. And I really love his work. Like Derek Robertson, I think his most famous run was with Warren Ellis on Transmetropolitan. Mm-hmm. And I definitely followed him on books that he was better than. Uh, though definitely the artist I follow around the most is John Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Now John Cassidy usually takes very good work. Like he did the first six issues of Star Wars, which is Skywalker Strikes Back, I believe is the name of the collection. Mm-hmm. He also did Planetary and the Astonishing X-Men run with John, Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. But he also did a run on Captain America, which only existed because he is a fan of Captain America, but he cannot write a good Captain America at all. But just seeing his drawings of Cap, like, I didn't care. Like, it was great just to see the posters he made of Captain America. You know, when I started reading digital comics, it's where I discovered Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, and the uh, new, new Avengers breakout. Not okay. his art. You said writer, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, right. Um, you said writer. Yes. Him or, or uh, pretty much just Jason Aaron now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, went from scalped and then immediately into um, uh, Southern Wolf- Bastards, right? Uh, no, Wolverine and the X Men. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. and then Southern Bastards came out. Like, okay, everything he does is excellent. I'll yep. check out Thor. And he's one of those guys who like he is doing excellent stuff at Image and Marvel. He didn't quit Marvel to do good stuff at Image, and he didn't stop doing creator on stuff to do good stuff at Marvel. Mm-hmm. It was just he's able to do both. I don't know where he has all this time, man, because he's also a father who watches pro wrestling in Kansas City. I think I'll, I'll do. I'll follow uh, Ed Brubaker anywhere as long as it's a period piece. At this point, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, what does he do that isn't a period piece? Yeah, I don't I'd know. Be, I'd be surprised. If like, no, this takes place in 2016. Oh, that's, I fucking that's love strange. it. I love it though. CM yeah, Punk. CM. <laughs> I actually don't have anyone. I mean, that is true. You've yeah. you've read CM Punk stuff, no matter who the artist yeah. is. I mean, I followed for a long time. It was a, through Daredevil, like Bendis and Brubaker. Uh, and Mark Wade, like those are people I would kind of follow anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, artists, I mean, I like Cassidy. I like, I mean, I like Brian Hitch for just the spectacle of it. Yeah, uh, Deodato, I remember enjoying, or however that's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. But he, the the thing with Hitch, he tested it for me of like his Justice League book was so empty, but uh, it was like oh, I did, this I'm is just, amazing. Yeah, I'm just always thinking about Ultimates. Like that's yeah. oh, really old at this point, but um, Fuck, it is really is. Old. It's like 2001 and two. I it think, is sad so. to think of the Ultimate Universe just is done now. Like, yeah, that's I, yeah it, it turned into a very it bad was fine. Thing. Uh, man, yeah, those are the main ones that 
pop out to me uh, at first pass. I did like Ennis for a while, especially when he's writing Punisher. Punisher but kind of, kind of at this point, like after all the Max and all the Marvel Knights, I'm like, I feel like I got your take on Punisher. Like I'm, yeah, good. I, I'm pretty good now. Ennis, maybe do something else. Do, and now, and now he's doing something else, writing World of Tanks, the comic book. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that is this week's question of the week. Answer it in the forums, lasertimepodcast.com slash forums, or there'll be a link to it on episode 187's page, which you'll find on lasertimepodcast.com. And you know what? Cape Crisis appears in a bunch of extra places now. We are on Google Play Music. We are on uh, Stitcher. You can find us both there, along with all the all other, other Laser Time podcasts. And I don't know those other platforms very well, but anything you could do to maybe just one-click rate us, if that's a mm-hmm. possibility on Stitcher and such. Yeah, would you, help us grow our presence there a little bit. But the point being, we want to reach you wherever you want, wherever you feel like going. And if you don't want iTunes anymore, like neither do we. Like it's not <laughs> great. I like, mean, we had to look at alternatives. It's the podcast fucking monopoly, and it doesn't do anything with it. And it's like the worst podcast app. Yeah, mm-hmm. so best to be on the ground floor of the one that's on Droid as well, and and also Stitcher. So, uh, you know, if if you prefer to listen to that, or you, instead. Of, I don't know, downloading and directly. page itself, it works fine on iPhones if you yeah. go in your Safari. Yeah, it's true, too. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's... It holds uh, your spot better mm-hmm. than the uh, iPhone podcast app by using Safari. It's funny Why we're talking... It's funny we're talking about media formats because this week's Laser Time was about dead media formats. Uh, man, I did, like just guys, seriously, the people in the room, go to the comments of that and just watch people scream about the UMD. Any age difference <laughs> yeah. you thought there was? Because somebody had brought it up, like, that format was old and stupid the second it was announced so this is a, <laughs> yeah. an inferior quality mm. more whirlama gigs nobody <laughs> wants it uh yeah like the U- just to see to see people's frustration at the umd uh, and which mm. was forever linked to spider-man yeah and the first yeah. the umds most people got was spider-man 2 yeah with the psp yep uh but any other plugs people want to get out uh 30 2010 is our weekly look back at what happened 30 years ago 20 years ago and 10 years ago uh coming up this week I believe, what did I just edit? The Craft turned 20 years old. <laughs> That's right. As well as Barbed Wire to remind you about hey, comic, comic books. fans. Yes. Uh, well, was that Dark Horse, I think it was? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, and there's also Talking Simpsons, a weekly exploration mm-hmm. of every episode of The Simpsons, one at a time. Tree House of Heart 2, what a great <laughs> freaking episode. Yeah. And, I'm Davy uh, Crockett. It made me want to, like, next year if we have a talk, because, again, we'll never have a, a Simpsons episode on Talking Simpsons that coincides with its respective holiday. Yeah. But I feel feel like if you can have Christmas in July, you can have Halloween in May. Yes. <laughs> and I would really love to have two Halloween celebrations every year. So next, next year, I also want to plug our, our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash laser time network. You like comics? Uh, there's going to be a bunch of stuff coming your way. On so our, much Exclusive stuff. to the YouTube channel, uh, up to and including something I did that I'm very proud of that most people have never seen, uh, sup- the stupid thing Superman does in video games. <laughs> it's really good, as is uh, Brett's leading us through all of the Marvel cards from the 1990 set. That shit is so much fun. As well as the Superhero Spotlight, a condensed version of these Superhero Spotlights in video form with visual aids yeah. of the things I'm specifically talking about. If you about. haven't seen the stream of the arcade version of Batman Forever, you owe it to yourself to check Jesus. that out. Oh, yeah. um, if you haven't wow. seen the, stream, the Captain America and the Avengers, it might be the best Captain America game ever. Absolutely. Um, Actually, we played. Didn't we play the other one on there too a, a while it, ago? It's, the, we played it twice and didn't even notice. Yeah. Oh well, no, the Sega one. It was so like. Oh uh, yes, we did. We Super did play Soldier, the Sega one. Yeah, which was the best of the bad. But Sega I know games. a lot of people don't like streams. But if you like short form, shorter form content, we have a bunch of stuff related mm-hmm. to comics on there, and we'd really appreciate a sub and a view mm-hmm. and maybe a share. And like, is, comment, and subscribe. And this is all supported by Patreon. Patreon.com slash LaserTime. And we really ah. appreciate any support we can get on there. Which and patrons will get uh, an exclusive uh, cartoon walkthrough. <laughs> what was that fucking cartoon? Oh, wait. The Spider-Man animated series? Yeah. Part five of the Secret Six? Yeah. The Captain America Spider-Man team-up cartoon that... Is un is mind boggling. I, I no didn't remember it being as dated as it was. <laughs> yes, it really but was. It, it was the, what ninety six. It was a ninety seven. Probably like ninety eight. Yeah, in like all that reused animation and how frantic the show yeah, the pace the show moves at breakneck speed I, I, you don't hear me comment a lot because I am laughing at the top of my lungs because I cannot believe how quickly things are happening uh, and that's for $10 or more patrons on patreon.com slash laser time it was a lot of fun uh, and there's a ton of old superhero commentaries on there as well as wrestling ones right Dave mm-hmm. and there's also bonus time this week there's a lot of great stories uh, Hank being accidentally racist uh, yes, me vomiting all over a, a city sidewalk <laughs> 
sidewalk and <laughs> Chris being accidentally homophobic. Yes. No, I don't know. I can't call it that. Not, I come out the best in this episode. Kind of, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, All I did was just spew everywhere. Well, Brett didn't do anything. So yeah. it's a, he, he pumped hosted. iron. He pumped iron to yeah, uh, he pumped Nick, iron, Papa so. Roach. <laughs> he, yep. All the rest of us were destroying our lives, yeah. and Brett improved his. He so. cut his muscles into pieces. It was his last resort. <laughs> All right, so that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening, as always. And until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior!